right. Ooh. Greetings. Greetings. Hello. Uh, <laughs> cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Lovely. Continue. <laughs> um, hello, Kent Dobson. Hi, Paul Moore. We are sitting on your porch at your house. It's a lovely day. It's a beautiful, sunny day in February in Michigan. Mm -hmm. God, it's so good. It is. <laughs> it feels really good. <laughs> and we're drinking coffee. Mm -hmm. Although somebody listening to us cheers may have thought we were drinking something else. Yeah, the cheers can count for anything. No, it's afternoon. It's, it's afternoon. Mm -hmm. It's an auspicious afternoon. We'll get it into it. It is. Big day. Um... This is, um, we're recording this not only on Super Bowl Sunday, mm -hmm. Super Bowl 50? Super Bowl 50. You know about this? Well, I've heard people saying. Super I heard Bowl the number 50. 50 thrown out a few yeah. weeks ago, and I was like, God, has it been that long? <laughs> As if we were there at the beginning. I know. I know we weren't 50 there. 50 years. But I was there. But we were there, like, short. I mean, when we were kids, you know, yeah. I remember it was, I, I have a vague memory of it being in the teens at one point, you know? <laughs> I don't think I, I, I couldn't read Roman numerals. I went to a Christian school, so I, I, I didn't understand those. What are those that symbols? Was, no, the Super Bowl was how I came to understand Roman numerals. Oh, really? Yeah, because I mean, like when it was 20, it was like, X, X, that's really cool. Yeah. And like, that's 20 in Roman numerals. I was like, oh, well, yeah, anyway, so really exciting story I'm going to digress from. Um, by the way, so can I just say that when I pulled up into your house today, I cannot stop laughing what is over your shoulder sitting in your driveway right now yeah that is my neighbor's volkswagen bus i i he used to joke you've got to drive this to mars hill when you like give a sermon it'd be hilarious ah. i was like tomorrow's my last day so i drove it this morning it took me 30 minutes i took back roads it's a, oh really <laughs> yeah same more <laughs> same one yeah i drove that bad boy it's like a 70 something two how fast does it go van again it probably goes 60 miles an hour but you're not gonna want to take it on the highway it's yeah. a little uh the wind will <laughs> blow you off the road. So in, on the inside, it looks like, how would I describe it? It looks like something out of, it looks like something where like, like almost like, um, uh, like Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda encountered somebody on the road during yeah. <laughs> Easy Rider yeah. and spent a night outside of that van. Cause yeah. there's like a kitchen counter and a bed. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a just real... funky. It's a real bus, a real camper bus with the pop-up top and everything. I thought you, I thought it was yours. I was like, oh, of course he bought this thing. Yeah. Of course I this is I like had part one at of one the time. transition. I, had, I owned one for a, a short little stint there. I bought it for $75 from a farmer, towed it off his property, put a new battery in it, fired up. I thought, I, I was like, he's leaving his job and he's going into that <laughs> he go just right driving around on the bus yeah yeah well, just know. you in yeah. nature i'm sure other people thought that too and i <laughs> drove to church in a in a van a volkswagen bus man so why today because it was your last chance yeah, because it was my last chance i just thought it'd be fun and it was really fun okay um let's talk about it shall we okay last day so uh, well okay so i'm going to tell you my entry point into into this conversation today okay that we're recording because um, we've been recording a few of these and there was always kind of this question like well what do we do with this and is there something to do and today um you got up you, you you get you gave your you know your final let's call it the final sermon who knows if you're giving another one when it, whenever wherever it happens we have no idea as, yeah. as of today the it's last, the last sermon mm-hmm um, and then I was in this kind of, I was in this weird position where I couldn't really see what was going on on the stage because of a column and blah, 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 blah. And then the band gets up and they start playing a song. And I was like, isn't this that song <laughs> that Kent wrote at some point in time? I didn't write it, but I did. I did. You sang it. it. You sang it like about 8,000 times yeah, though, in your life. Easily. And I mean, full disclosure, I love you. Not a big fan of the song. It's not... <laughs> It's not the song. I don't like anyone who loves a song. That's great. I think they should completely. I love I songs that, that people hate. Hmm. Um, I'm just saying. For me, I was. I was like. I was sitting there. I was like, Oh, there's that song that he's saying a thousand times. That's crazy. Um, it's. It's probably the perfect song for him to go out on. Yes. And then I saw you up there playing guitar. In a way, by the way, I thought I. It, whether I was projecting this or not, like it felt like you were in it. I was in it. I was in the moment. You were so in the moment. I was playing. And all of a sudden, 
like in my mind, it was like, like I went backward to the, I guess it was the summer of 1999 when you and I first met. Mm-hmm. Um, we met because I signed my lease at a building that you were managing. This is true. As some sort of job. And so that's how we met. I signed my, my lease when I moved to Grand Rapids. I signed my lease with you. You and uh, your wife, Mandy, were living in the building. And uh, <laughs> and so we were we were living there. And I remember, and this woman, um, who I'm, whom I work with, really, we were young, right? We can call her girl. Mm-hmm. A girl who I work with uh, said, hey, come, you want to come to this church with me on Sunday. It's, I really enjoy this church. I didn't realize she was checking me out because I have no game <laughs> whatsoever. I don't realize that when a girl says, come to church with me, that's like, I'm feeling you have to see if you picked your husband material. <laughs> it's like Christian dating. Yeah. What are you doing on Sunday? Yeah, they kind of want to see your, I think they want to see your reaction. Like, are you actually going to go? <laughs> Um, this room might be a little bit echoey, by the way, because it's a porch. It's like a three-season porch, but I like it. I think we're. I think this is a perfect spot for this. Yeah. Um. So, so we go, and I remember. I remember. This is my memory. This is my memory of that that first my first experience at, at Mars Hill, which is somehow it, it was within the first year of it launching. Uh, I walked in there, and I literally had this thought, like I was catching the vibe of the room, and I don't know if I ever told you this. I had this thought. In, go through my head. I said, this feels like the kind of place where I would probably bump into like Kent and Mandy, those people I just met who live in my building. <laughs> I sit down and then all of a sudden, like you literally emerge <laughs> onto the stage holding a guitar, standing in front of the microphone. I was like, oh, maybe that's why is. I have this one. Because <laughs> there he is. <laughs> and so that was what happened this morning where I was like, Whoa. I went all the way back there and then, and then like, I've known you for a long time and, uh, and there was just sort of this power there's for me, it was a, it was a, it was like this moment of like seeing the circle close. Okay. Like I saw you, it wasn't your first Sunday when I saw you, but it was my first Sunday, right? It was my end. And then today watching you with that guitar and singing, it was just like, it was literally like watching a, you know, a pen go across the paper and then finally meet the other edge of the line. And it's like, boom, there it is. Okay. And it's over. And so then I thought we got to sit down and we got to talk. Cause maybe this is like, yeah, it's like the doing the, the end at the beginning mm-hmm. or yeah. How, or the beginning at the end, it's a circle. So how do you even, mm-hmm. anyway, in the end is my beginning. That's T.S. Eliot. That's the four quartets or East Coker. I don't really know what that means, but whatever he says is awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, just saying things like T.S. Eliot <laughs> and then East Coker. I don't know what East Coker is, <laughs> it's just... but I'm going to sit here and nod like, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> totally, I totally drank coffee and talked about that at one time. <laughs> In college. Yeah, that's a sad thing about being an English major. You read all these fantastic poets and you, you have these, what you think are awesome conversations about them. But you realize like 25 years later, oh, now I have a, like a small idea of what they were talking about. Right. Yeah. So is it, yeah, it, that's very interesting. It, it does feel like something has ended or to use your metaphor to circled back around and has closed. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's why, not that I gave it a whole lot of thought, but why I wanted to end with a song. Um, because that was how I started in this whole, in this whole conversation with Marcel. That was my contribution. So it felt good to I don't know. Strap on the the battle axe. Yeah. And <laughs> strum a few chords. That song has two chords. That's a it very, is like, the only kind of reference. <laughs> it is the only song ever written that people that I know of that people will sing out loud that has two chords. Now they don't know it has two chords because <laughs> we fool them. But uh yeah, it's uh, two chords. F and B flat. You can't go wrong. So you felt, you felt confident. You're like, I can do F and B flat even after all, all day. years. Yeah. Especially when I do an open Did you practice? Tuning. Uh, I, I, I went through it before the service. Yeah. Yeah. Like this morning? This morning. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. But you haven't gotten up and like played guitar no. in front of an audience in a long time. I presume. No, I haven't. Yeah. So that's, that's, well, I would say even that right there, because if it were me, I would have woken up at like one o'clock in the morning, seven days ago, 
thinking about, I think I'm going to play a song. I really better sit down with that guitar and make sure my fingers still do <laughs> the work that they're supposed to do. It's an easy song. I'm telling you, that's actually the awesome thing about playing with a band um, is because you're jo you join something. You're not really, you're leading it, but not really. Once the thing, once the train takes off, you get to enjoy what's happening. Yeah. And you sort of like lose control anyway, you know, whatever the, you know, the rhythm takes over and the melody and you're just part of it. I, that's it. So the band is like a deep, deep metaphor in my life. And I, and I always pull it out. And like, if I talk to somebody who's been in a band, they'll immediately get it. And if I talk to somebody who's not been in a band, they're like, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's nice. <laughs> cool. But there is, but no, that's, I mean, that's been most of my adult life is, is, um, kind of like intuitively trying to find those people with whom I have that feeling, mm -hmm. that feeling of being in the band, which mm -hmm. is like, you can't talk about it. You can't sit down and diagram it. You can't, um, you can't have meetings about it. The only thing you can do is get in and play. Yeah. And then as soon as you play, you know, whether or not you're going to work together. Yep. Yep. And then there's some people I've gotten to work with that. It feels like we play great together and then some that I don't, but, um, I watched that movie once. You ever seen that movie once? Yeah. Irish kind of starts yeah. off on the streets, kind of playing songs. Yeah. I have a vague memory of so, it. So clearly deeply meaningful for you. That's fantastic. <laughs> I think I saw it on a plane. So that's oh, kind of gosh, like... Uh, you also watched Interstellar on a plane. Like all of my favorite movies you watched on a plane. Yeah, but I had a private screen for that. You know, I mean, I'm not talking business class, but I'm talking about Turkish air. It was at least yeah. right in front of me and with the Bose headphones on. So I could have some, Yeah, you know... It was a few degrees better than an iPhone. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. No, the whole thing with... I, I wept openly at the end of that movie because the way that that movie ends is he the two the two people the the man and the woman um glenn hansard and i can't remember her name like i don't know I, i'm gonna throw out some like vaguely russian kind of name because she's from like some eastern european country um but they come together they find out that when the two of them play together like they can do something that neither of them can do alone and then but she has she has a kid maybe has two kids and a father yeah. of those kids that she's living with and a mother she's taking care of. Mm -hmm. He's connected to no one really but her. So finally, at the end of the movie, after they've recorded and everything, he goes, I think, to London is how the movie works. But he buys and has delivered to her house the gift of the piano that they sat in a music store and played their first song together okay. on. And when that happened, it was like... yeah. It was all over. Like, not even... Like, okay, to the point where I actually walked out of the movie theater, and before I could get to my car, I took, a like, a turn, and I stood behind a bush <laughs> between, like, the wall of the theater. And cried. And cried. <laughs> I love it. Time. I love it. That, no. See, that's, that's awesome. Because it's this long... I, it was It connected so hard to this longing of, like, there's people that you can do something with that you can't do alone, and when you find each other, it's not permanent, and... Um, but when, but when it, when it happens, it's beautiful, but you can't make it last longer. Yeah. yeah. And, oh my gosh, did I just like, yeah. it was like grieving. I don't know. I guess my, almost in some ways probably, you know, like grieving, like feeling that really intense feeling of like a breakup yeah. or a friend dying or something. I mean, briefly, right. Not for as long as those things would. Anyway, it's like Gillian Welch and David Rawlings. However, they found each other. Did you listen to Gillian Welch at all? She, she's unbelievable. Um, let's let's explain as if I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, she's just a singer songwriter. But they, she, she and David Rawlings met a few years ago. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're together. I think they are together, uh, but that's always like a little bit unclear. Mm -hmm. But whatever happens in music, it always is. Yeah, whatever happens when they start playing is just it's the most magical thing you've ever heard. And actually, you wonder how did these two people ever find each other? I mm -hmm. mean, it's it's weird. It's such a you hear it and you think this belongs together yeah. and you know, they feel it too. I mean, Oh yeah. You can, you can hear it come through. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I connect with that. I connect with that longing. Um, yeah. All right. Let's come into the, uh, the, you know, today, today, 
What's it like? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, th I'll tell you things I enjoyed. Afterwards, you, you would think, everyone said you're going to hate this, but I didn't hate it. Afterwards, after the services, then I stood in line and shook people's hand and people said, you know, thanks and um, told me little stories. I really enjoyed that. Because um, what, what happened is that I met many people that I see each week mm -hmm. only by face. I see them sitting out there. I know where they sit. Yeah. But I don't know who they are. Even if they told me their name, I might forget it anyway. But just to have them come up and say, my name is so-and-so. And, um, and I think what I enjoyed was, was people took time to say something that most people took time to say something that, that was personally meaningful. Like mm -hmm. in this way, Mars Hill has done this, or you have helped with this. Um, or they took one of the 17 things what? that I've been saying and, and saying, yeah, that, that's me. Um, yeah. I was on, you know, I was on the last, uh, last car on the last train out of church. I've heard people, multiple people reference that since you threw that out last week. I threw that out last week. Yeah. Yeah. Say, say it again. A friend of mine, I think who should remain nameless because she's, it's not, a, it's a, it's a fairly controversial, um, phrase that you threw out. I think, but go ahead. If, if I said the name of the person, I think people would be even more scandalized because she's quite a well-known person in the Christian world. But she said, Marcel is the last, um, train on the last stop out of Christianity for many people. And when mm -hmm. she said that, I thought, yeah, that's right. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of people freak out about that. When you say the phrase out of Christianity, mm -hmm. most of us grow up to me to that means, um, lots of drinking, lots of sex, and basically everything that was, was called death. <laughs> yeah. But my experience of Christianity inside Christianity, there was lots of sex and drugs and mischievous behavior and affairs and adultery yeah. and all manner of craziness and drunkenness. And, um, supposedly that's all forgiven. So that's an, actually not what I mean that people are going to go, you know, become hedonists. And, um, I mean, institutional religion in it. I mean, that's kind of a big, what does that mean exactly? Uh, but I guess I just mean in a simple way, uh, ordinary church does not work for people. It does not work for so many people. Mm -hmm. And Marcel is on the edge. It is an institutional church. It's a church. We, yeah. we, we accept donations. We have pastors. We have a staff. But um, it's, it's not as concerned about its own, at least in the past it hasn't been, um, as concerned about its own viability. Like, must this thing last? Right. It's sort of was it an experiment and we were grateful to be alive and, um, and, and the, I think that the tenor of, um, everything that we've done has been, well, I don't know what to call it, less heavy handed than mm -hmm. evangelical Christianity tends to be. Um, so when you're right on the edge and churches hurt you, like it has so many people, Marcel felt like a place where I might not get as hurt. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I mean by the last train and the last stop out of Christianity. Um, and well, once and people go, um, I also think that that's okay. Maybe that's what people don't. Yeah. Uh, I, for some people they have to go. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going in the sense I'm leaving, leaving this particular role, but even like a couple of years ago, I gave a sermon and I, I, I took this from Parker Palmer. So I hope I gave him credit, but he reads the Jonah story completely differently. He says that the point of the Jonah story is to run from God. And, and if you've heard anyone ever talk about Jonah, they will tell you, you shouldn't run from God. No, you should run from God. There would be no story if, if you didn't, if he didn't try to go as far away from what God was telling him to do as, as possible. So much mm -hmm. so that he was in a boat with strangers trying to flee, you know, but it goes against this idea of like your community is this net, you know, it's almost like the red Rover game Yeah, where it's like when someone runs, the point is that the community holds together strong enough that they can't, you know, that person running can't actually break out. Yeah. False. I say, well, let's put it this way. Um, Red we've talked about Joseph Rover. Campbell before, but I heard him say, this you isn't what you and I have. Like, yeah. We, you and I yeah. have. Yeah. We have, we have, we've talked about, um, Joseph Campbell and, um, I heard him say on these DVDs mythos where he has a series of lectures. Yeah. He says With there Bill are lawyers on P PBS. It's awesome. <laughs> if you don't own it, go buy it, go say it. There are two archetypal psycho-spiritual journeys. He's most well known for the hero's journey, but he says there's another one. He calls it um, the right-hand journey and the left-hand journey. The left-hand journey is the hero's journey, and that tends to look 
very unorthodox and this person has gone off the deep end we mm-hmm. would say of the left-hand journey well um, and it always includes the underworld always which is not a christian no you go you die you it's in the christian the story abyss. but it's not into it's not in our right. it's not in our christian culture mm-hmm. that you're supposed to go into the abyss of your of your soul yeah go ahead yeah. the other is kind of what you're describing with red rover it tends to be a circle that is pretty well defined that the community defines for you it, this is this would be a community with with a lot of what we would call culture um, a lot of expectations. Um, so if you take the Christian community, even American evangelicalism as a, as a circle, um, then the borders are pretty well defined and you got to try to keep that person in it. And even the shadow, which tends to be below your ego consciousness, even the shadow elements are kind of well known. They tend to look like other people's shadows. It's almost like the the group has its own shadow. So they tend to mm-hmm. get into the same kinds of trouble, like I was talking about before, affairs and you know. Oh, like so when I yeah when yeah. When, when people talk about Christian culture, and then you're like, oh yeah, but then you would have sex and drugs. Like the sex and drugs yeah. are like the most obvious shadows that are trying to be like dispelled yeah. and kept up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, that it. might not even be an element of someone's real shadow. It's just it's like. Um, it's like the community gives it a place to go. Right. But, but what I would say is most people are, are um, or I would say many people are stuck in that story as the only story that matters. That, and that's a story of social acceptance, you know, the, the, the right-hand story. The, the community is what I need for identity, belonging, mission, purpose. Um, and to break out of that is to is something to be feared, which is why when people do break out of it, I would say even like Jesus who said, no, I'm not going to, even his family was like, you're insane. Mm -hmm. So he broke out and, and for some people, for some people who came in contact with him, that lit them up inside. They're like, we want to be near this person. And other people wanted to kill him. That's what happens on the, on the, when you're taking the left hand hero's path, which is possible for all people. in I I guess in, in my opinion, I don't know what my opinion matters, but, um, Wait, so what happens at the end of the right? I mean, what's sort of like the, the journey of the right hand? You know, you go, you, do you leave the circle? You don't leave the circle. You, you stay, stay inside. In it's relatively, it's a relatively tame mythological journey. And there, there are stories and archetypes that, that do describe that path. They're not very compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we'd have to ask Joseph Campbell because I'm just telling you something that I, I, I mean, I've listened to those DVDs before, but I'm listening to them again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never heard this before or it didn't sink I totally, in. I totally don't remember it. didn't it. sink it because I thought it's got to be everyone's on the hero's journey. No, right. not everyone is on the hero's journey. Um, oh, so it's almost like two alternates. It is two. Like you yeah, can take exactly. the one or Community, you can, it's the red pill or the blue pill. Yeah. You know, what, Maybe. If I, if I could guess, I would call one a circle of social acceptance and, and what pretty well-defined roles. Um, the other is kind of the wild path. Now, what I do believe is that the people who make a difference in the world are the visionary people and they're never stuck in that Mm -hmm. small circle. Never. They're always, they always go into the abyss. They always go far away. They all, they almost always die, but then they return to the community with a gift. And it does tend to change, change the nature of the circle. It's like the Buddha saying, no, I'm, I'm going to take off my kingly robes or whatever, and I'm yeah. going to go with the people and yeah. I have to break out of this. So then, but it's many, many years where he, uh, before he ever comes back to the community with the gift, just like Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days or whatever. I think where this is, where this is going. And again, I don't even remember that part of the DVD series. So this is purely Paul's thoughts. Um, uh, no, but I think that's where is that they, it may, it's meaningful that they're both existing simultaneously, that they actually, it's not A or B, A or B. What are you going to do? You're going to stay in the circle or are you going to go out? But it's actually, a, it's about like being in the world where there are both. And mm-hmm. I, and that's sort of how I've been thinking about it is like, um, if somebody doesn't go out, then, then the circle that stays and the circle that's making that, that's probably, that's, that's, um, part of a lot of the stability and the cultivating and the like, uh, rearing good humans, you know, doesn't shift. It doesn't change. It doesn't, yeah. you know, it's almost like it, they need one another. It can stagnate. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're off on the wild path and you never come and everybody's on the wild path, <laughs> well, but if you, if you, if you go on the hero's journey and you're wandering around in the darkness and the abyss and you never come back with a gift, well, that's, 
I mean, it's, it's a very private journey. It's very, yeah. um, and those people aren't very interesting. Um, so that you need one another. Like, so the, the, the hero needs to come back to the community and the community needs the hero to come back because they, they need to, they need a fresh, they need a fresh way of, of seeing their slightly smaller world. And that's not even making a judgment, which is right. better, but yeah, I think you're right. They, but, but I mean, that's what we talked about, um, with, you know, first stage, second stage of life, which is, I think a Carl Jung original, but has been used, mm -hmm. adopted by Richard Rohr and is, you know, a, but it, that whole sense of there's the first adulthood that's establishing security and identity and your place in the community, usually a community of people that are like you. Yeah. You know, you look around the circle and, and you see yourself mirrored and that's how you know who you are. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second stage, which is the breaking, which you can't do if you tried to skip the first stage, mm -hmm. you would, you, um, I don't know what would happen, but it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work out well because you'd have no identity to build from. Yeah. You'd have nothing to sort of like, none of that security to leap off into. Um, mm -hmm. But then the second stage is very much, it's kind of like, it, 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 and it's so weird to talk about it because it, 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 when you say wildness, it is wildness, but it's the wildness being explored by somebody who somehow understands the meaning of, uh, okay, let me start, start out like this. My spiritual director, mm -hmm. um, she said to me, I was having, I was describing these two dreams that I had to her. And she said, in one dream, you're trying to be so responsible. And in, in this dream, I was actually trying to pull a boat through like a swamp. Okay. Like a yacht. Okay. Like all my friends were on a yacht yeah. and I'm pulling a rope yeah. trying to pull it. And she's like, in the one you're trying to be so responsible, you can't, you can't do that. Like yeah. you can't pull that boat. In the second one, I'm living in a community that's like completely bohemian. We don't even really have a house. We're all just sort of like sleeping and like squatting in a place and trying to build a place next door. Mm. And, um, and it was just, it was, it was like, you know, the sort of that typical, um, what you would think of like, you know, some, some sort of weird, you know, hippies just, yeah. Co communing instead and in, in foraging for food. Um, and, and so I was, I was talking about these and she's like, you're, you're describing the tension in you right now and that you're trying to be both the rebel and responsible because you are, you are the rebel and you're moving into a place in life where you're being responsible. And she's like, and your challenge is going to be a hold both of them simultaneously. Yeah. That's, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to describe yeah, the see, second stage awesome. and the wildness is like the yeah. whole getting to the place in life where you actually are mature enough to hold both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As opposed to just being the rebel. Yeah. Well, you know, and this way I think of Bill Plotkin, um, because the, he would put this on the North South continuum in the human yeah. psyche and the South is the South is the wildness. And, the immature wildness can look like either conformist or rebel. And they're very close actually, mm. because even rebels are conforming to something else. Like right. they're just a smaller circle of things you're conforming to. Yeah. But the mature dimension of the South psyche would be um, the wild indigenous one. And indigenous is like being fully at home, you know, mm. uh, being at fully at home in the wildness uh, of your own um, emotions and in the actual wild world as it is, just being at home as a human being. Um, and it does, it, it, it's, it's going beyond just rebelling against society. Mm -hmm. The North, the immature uh, side of the North would be the loyal soldier, which is responsible and do the right thing and should, you know, uh, you shouldn't do that because, um, you're responsible now, yeah. but, but the mature version beyond the loyal soldier would be the nurturing generative adult. So I just think this continue. I mean, I think your dream sounds a lot like that. I hear themes of, um, uh, the, the nurturing generative adult, the best self, your best wholeness, which is already in there. And also your wild indigenous one, which is, and I, your spiritual director, I so connect with that. It is not a choice. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, if they even do dream work, would say, well, I need to choose one here. No, um, you probably need to go in both directions. Mm -hmm. I mean, cultivate them both at the same time. Um, I heard of this practice. Maybe we mentioned it before on, on this podcast or I talked to you about it, but um, there's, it, uh, I think it's called a mandorla. Did I mention this before? Sure. <laughs> Mandorla. Apparently, Let's pretend like you didn't. <laughs> apparently is, is the, uh, is the Italian word for almond. 
And so if you imagine two circles that overlap, that almond shape where they overlap. Mm -hmm. So the practice is you fully embody both of these things. So if I were you, I'd tell you to go out and fully reenact your total dream where, where, um, you're the responsible one pulling the yacht, mm -hmm. you know, and you're trying to keep, keep going through the swamp or whatever. And you do the whole thing. You act the whole thing out and you fully embody it. You feel every emotion there. And then you go to the other circle and fully enact the wild dream. You're bohemian, you're smoking weed, you're doing whatever. I don't know what you're doing in your little bohemian world and you're just going nuts. Mm -hmm. And, but you're trying to feel it all. And you go back and forth and back and forth until you feel like you've tried to honor both of those expressions inside yourself. And then you sit in the middle, in the mandorla, in the, in the almond. Um, and I don't think there's really a point, like, I don't know if something happens to you, like a beam of light falls on your head, but, mm -hmm. but you're trying to honor both of those things within you and to be in the middle of those things, mm. which I think is, uh, I don't know for, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that really connects with practices like these because, um, I, mo most of my Christianity or spirituality has been ideas. Like that's it. That's an interesting idea. I'm going to think about that. Yeah. And I'm kind of over that. I want to, um, engage in practices and embody things and quit thinking so much. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, that's that's a whole lot we could get into right there. Um, yeah. But this is, I mean, this is, I don't even know where to go with this. Like, why? I, part of me is, it's almost like it falls under the category of why, why are you leaving? Because um, I think it's a point, it's a, it's, a, it's a great question to ask today. Because you're feeling, you know, you've probably felt both, both the, like, the goodbye feelings and the I'm on something new feelings. Like it's all yeah. happening right now, which is why I wanted to sit down today. Okay. Um, but it's not so much about putting you on the spot about why leaving. It's more like, it's more like, I guess, I guess maybe that's it. It's like, um, it's not so much like, what are you going to do as much as like, what's happening? That's the question. Um, yeah, I'm not, um, what is happening is I am trying to sink down beneath the surface of these roles that I've had um, and promoted and tried to find meaning in, and they've been good. They've helped me along the way, but I don't know. I have a sense that... Um, somewhere down there in the soul, I guess. Um, I want to try to live from that place. And that requires a certain amount. For me, it's required a, a letting go of things that were supposed to give meaning um, and did in a way, but to turn toward, um, I don't know, to turn toward, I don't know, the truth that is in the center you know, uh, David White has that poem, the truth at the center of the image you were born with. I, 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 it's hard for me to even say um, what that means. The truth at the center of the image you were born with, or the Buddhists say, the face you had before you were born. Um, to have some contact with that, maybe it's an image um, or a word or, um, I don't know, maybe people would call it grounding. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, I'd like to contact that and to live from that place. <laughs> so like, yeah, thanks, like, thanks for that really easy explanation. I don't know what um. to say about it. Like, that's what I'm saying. I can't get up on Sunday and say that because I people are like, like what? Lunatic. I don't, um, because I don't know. It's, it's, it sounds, it sounds kind of crazy in a way, well, but okay. I don't care. I don't care if it sounds crazy. Um, I don't want to live half a life. Like Mary Oliver says, I don't want to end up having only visited this world. And, right. um, when you're 39 years old and a lot of your professional life is starting to feel like you're just visiting this world, um, unless you, um, run like Jonah, you're, you're going to get stuck. I, and I, that's what I was afraid of. And, and, and my dad's death has a lot to do with it too. You know, my dad was a good person and he, uh, he, he found meaning in his role as a pastor. And it seemed to me all, really till the end, but I was not, um, I had a sense that, um, the, the truth at the center of the image I was born with, I needed to go in a slightly different direction. I needed to pay attention 
um, and not just take a nice paycheck and um, say, try to say some good things on Sunday. Um, I needed to, to step out into the unknown. That's what I would say. So, I, so I'll throw this out there. This is me answering for you. I'm saying that uh, it seems like you, whatever it is, whatever it was that you were doing, it didn't, this is, I don't, this is like not a profound statement. I'm trying to, I want, I want, I have an ego and I want people to be impressed with the words that come out of my mouth. <laughs> ego is not a bad thing. It's how you get things done. And I want to, I want to be super day. insightful. Um, no, but I, it sounds like I mean, there's, maybe there's people that can stay in the role, whatever roles they're playing, there's some that they can keep and there's some that they, maybe they have to shed. For some reason, the role that you were in was one that had to be shed mm -hmm. and maybe it connects to your dad. Maybe it's, I mean, cause obviously we grew up, um, in very similar kinds of churches you and i did most maybe people don't know that in the sort of southern evangelical world which is a weird world to grow up in but um but in that uh you know the pastor is very much like the spiritual heartbeat yeah and and that and that person is not a regular person that's a special person yeah and that person um lives the life uh, you know, or is, or is sort of like known, you know, like you're, like, I don't know. It's like Moses pull your dad out too much, but like, yeah, it's like, if you can, if you can end life in this sort of like, never really did anything super bad mm -hmm. and completed your career and retired as the spiritual leader of your community, yeah. then I, you know, like Yoda, you don't, you know, you're just sort of like disappear at the end instead of actually, you know, <laughs> like turning into a corpse or well, something. Well, that's just it. I, you know. Um, oh, what would I say? Sadly, you turned to energy. <laughs> the sad, the sad thing is that, um, being a spiritual leader now has become a career path. Mm -hmm. You can go to school for it. You can go get a seminary degree right. and ride the, the thing out till retirement with the supposed being the supposed spiritual leader of a community. And like it, was, like, people... it, like it was fused with being a kind of a CEO. Like this is a career path. You go and it you is. do it from it nine is. to five. And, and, you're, and, and yeah. again, I, I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. I think um, helping lead and shape a community is a noble thing to do. And many pastors, they have many struggles. Um, a lot of them choose to stick it out. Um, I felt I had to step out of it. Um, so uh, this is not even to, to criticize people who, who are choosing this, who are in it. But... I will say, just look around American Christianity, and would you call those people visionary spiritual leaders? Are they compelling? Are they, uh, have, they, ha have they had actually any contact with the divine? Or are they just repeating the status quo again and again and again to keep people safe inside their churches? And don't worry, everybody, let's put money in the offering plate. That's a lot of the business that, that goes on, and people ride that to retirement. I am not interested in that at all. And... And I, I don't know, maybe some of it even comes from my, um, some of my, uh, studies, uh, uh, biblical studies, the prophets, um, and I'm no prophet, I'll tell you that, but the prophets were out of control people mm -hmm. who had divine encounters, experiences, and really came back to the community with threats and wild visions. And they were the spiritual leaders of the community not the kings, not the kings at all. But we've, we've sort of said, well, we want a king. We don't want any prophets. We don't want any wild news. We want a king who, you know, keeps it in line and, and looks good on a throne and wearing a suit. And, mm -hmm. and we'll kind of, we'll honor him. We'll give him a little bit of money and, and he can tell us a few jokes. And, you know, I mean, this is like, talk about whitewashing a rich spiritual tradition. And I, 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 I for one, just, um, uh, I mean, you see why people just are leaving the church in, you know, in droves. They just don't want a part of that. But I think there's something that is like, okay, this is fundamental kind of gut stuff. Like you threw out the phrase North, what was North? Generative, generative. Yeah. Gen, uh, nurturing generative adult. Nurturing yes. generative adult. And people would be like, you getting up, you getting up and leading on a Sunday morning and an, an institution, you know, which hundreds and you know thousands of people are part of you coming home and bringing a paycheck to a family mm -hmm. of three kids. All of those are like the nurturing generative adult and you're stepping out of that. 
Maybe, or it's the loyal soldier telling you you should live this way. It's mostly loyal soldier. You should do this. In what universe? Now, I'm not saying I'm, I'm trying to shirk responsibility and not, not uh, uh, do my best to uh, provide food and shelter. But, I mean, this is America. It's the way it should be. And anytime the should language is there, it's loyal soldier. It's not nurturing generative adult. Well, there's the also nurturing humiliation. Generative adult can hold you. And, and that's nurturing, being held, not saying you should do this and you should provide for this and you should have health insurance and now you have to because Obama says you have to have it and whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, I don't know. If, if there's a sense where not just me, but um, also Mandy and the kids, if we have a sense of we are continuing to live this one wild and precious life that we have and this is an adventure, you know, I want to live from a, a generative place myself. Uh, I'm not depressed. I mean, people think, I, I think people have thought, well, he's, he's going through a hard time because, well, you know, his dad, dad died and, and he just doesn't know what to do with life. So he must be in a Gen slump. X. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in that, in the you're Gen wearing, X You're thing. wearing like way more flannels, <laughs> but P.S. And people have noticed. <laughs> Go ahead. Continue. Uh, I should have wore shorts and thermal underwear. <laughs> and then, and Doc, and then Martens. Doc Martens. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, um, sorry, you were saying people have said, oh, he's yeah, depressed. that he's depressed and he, you know, actually, no, I have some clarity about what I'm after. And even though if I have to, you have to use poetry and I'm talking about the soul and that can be a bit confusing. I have some clarity about, um, what matters and, um, what's worth pursuing and that I'm willing to take some risks for that. And I also too, I, I, I maybe should have said this to the Mars Hill people, but I don't know. Um, I have no intention of leaving the conversation around God, spirituality, church, what's going on in America, yeah. in the world. Um, actually, I want to go further. And, and, and I feel I felt that to go further, I needed to step out of this thing. So it's not just like I want to go away and hide forever yeah. under some rock. No, um, I want to propel, do my own uh, in my own way, try to, to, to create more conversation, propel the conversation to take it forward and as best I can. Um, and I'm going to write, I'm going to hopefully do some podcasts and, um, those are small things, but I'm not trying to bow out. Um, I'm this just is saying, something I, so our friends that we sit in the hot tub with, um, like I was having this conversation last week cause last week, last week was your second to let, so you did two part thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, um, so last week we came, I came back from yoga Sunday morning and, uh, and the kids were like doing this thing, you know, you, you know, this as a parent, like if all of a sudden they all jump into bed with you and they're all like, let's hang out. Can we have breakfast? I don't know. If, this is me. It's like, Oh, wow. Look at them wanting to be with me right yeah. now. <laughs> this is great. Don't screw it up. And, um, <laughs> And so I was like, okay, well, I need to go. I need to ride this wave. This is fantastic. Um, just follow the energy. Don't do the thing where it's like, all right, everybody, put your nice clothes on. Come on, get up. Get up. No, get in the car. Get in the car. I said, get in the car. Put on your boots. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to ride. But then there was this thing. I was like, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And there's sort of like a quite, you know, there was a subtle shift in the energy. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm going to go. And then, you know, mm -hmm. some of them came. And, uh, I brought a couple of kids with me, but I was having that moment of like, why am I feeling compelled to go and leave this, this, this energy, you know, that's going on right now. And I was, you know, sorting through it. I was like, is it, is it like, you know, is it something that feels like spiritual? Is it something that feels like I need to go and like have teaching, you know, like that. And it was, and then I realized I was like, no, it's cause my friend is getting up. It's a second to last. He's going through a change. Mm. And I want him to see me out there as somebody who's, who's with him. And, um, <laughs> that's cute. You're waving to your, to one of your own kids right now. This is perfect timing. Um, so she's feeling it. She's feeling the energy. And, uh, so anyway, I was explaining this to it, to our friends. And, um, and, and I was saying, once I realized that I realized, oh, that's, that's been kind of at the core like the tether for me was yeah. you yeah. and now when you go i don't want to freak people out you know yeah. 
I'm not saying everybody she got, I'm just saying my personal connection was, was yeah. to you. And so now it's like a, what's a kind of a, what's next thing. And then that's kind of a weird thing. But I do feel exactly that was like, this isn't a, a talking about leaving anything. It's just, it's, it's like, I got to, it's like, there was a time in life where the going to church ritual was like the centerpiece of a spiritual yeah. practice. And now the going to church ritual has somewhere gradually where all of that, you know, over time, somehow something in me has changed to the point where the going to the church ritual is maybe one of the more shallow aspects of any engagement that I'm in right now, mm. you know, as yeah. far as what I'm pursuing or what I'm experiencing. It almost feels like, um, it feels like something served its purpose, but it, but it by no means does that mean that the journey stops. It means that it's like, it's like go deeper, but figure out what, what that thing is. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some of my questions too. Although my experience is a little different because I've been like the man behind the curtain pulling the levers and, um, when it comes to church. So I don't even get to go and experience something right. the way other people do. Um, and haven't for a very long time. Um, that was one of the things I enjoyed when I was a, uh, a teacher, when I was a high school teacher is that I could go to church wherever I wanted. If I, if I even felt like going to church or if I didn't, that also <laughs> seemed okay too. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a more shallow aspect for me too, just because I've, I've been in it too deep. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I'm not going to go to church next Sunday. Um, uh, but I'm, I want to, I don't, it's kind of a dumb metaphor, but I want to put the pedal down in my own life with right. all this stuff and, and, uh, and see what comes. I was having, okay. So our friend JQ, were you with me when I was, when I brought this out? So we, so he, obviously, so let's say, let's say well, all of us in, in very similar, similar space. Now you've obviously done a, a ton of soul work compared to, you know, um, many of us, but similar, similar space, similar conversation to the one that we're having right now. And I threw out there, I said, you know what? I think, I think what's going on is that a lot of people might say, Oh, you know, he's rebelling or he's walking away or he's doing something. He's abandoning, you know, yeah. a, a, whatever it is, the journey or the practice or whatever word you want to throw on it. Um, and it's like, I really think it's the opposite. I think that as young, when we were young, we were the ones that were like, um, sold, like, like fully committed. Like this is the thing I'm doing. And then at some point reached this, this, there was like a, this kind of instinctual knowing of like, this was supposed to be more, mm. but it didn't go more, you know, it didn't get to more. And then, and then it was like to get yeah. to more, I'm going to have to jump out of, you know, jump out of the boat or mm -hmm. off the train or whatever yeah. and start going into more because just what I'm doing now, I've been fully committed to it and not reached the more. I mean, you moved to freaking Israel, right? Like that's where, I mean, you know, yeah. well, I said in my, in my going away, my, in my, I quit sermon that, um, I had used, I got this line from Thomas Merton, but he said, you can spend your life climbing the ladder to realize it's on the wrong wall. Now I have quoted that at Mars Hill, but I, that's also what I did. I, I climbed the ladder, so to speak. I'm a, I was the pastor of a mega church. Mm -hmm. So I didn't create Mars Hill. You know, I, I didn't dream it up in my bedroom though, you know, uh, the way Rob did or something. But, um, I, I climbed that particular ladder and got to the top and it wasn't that I felt it was wrong, but I, for me, it was on the wrong wall and that was okay, but I had to go through it. I didn't even think it's wrong. That's what right. I had to do. And so I, I agree. I'm, I too, am trying to keep going. I guarantee you people will think I'm rebelling or I've left the faith or I'm abandoning the calling. I say, good, that's fine. If that's what people think And on one level, they're right. They're right in, in the kind of role that they perceived I was in. I am leaving that thing. Absolutely. And that's disappointing. Mm -hmm. Um, people will say he's left his calling. Yep. I have, I have. And, but that doesn't mean I'm, you know, it means I'm just, I'm just getting going. That's the way it feels to me. Um, and that's not to say people have to come by way, <laughs> by the way I'm going by no means. It's just, yeah. Okay. That's what I would say. You're looking at your phone now. Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday. It's four o'clock. All right. I like this. Me too. You are great.
So are you, Paul? No, you. I mean, you are great. I mean, but I mean, like sitting here, like like the, yeah, your energies different. That sounds like such a like showbiz thing to say. Like, man, great energy, great, great energy, energy tonight, energy. bro. <laughs> Way to go. No, but it's it's totally true, and and it was coming off. I saw it this morning and it's, but it's like, it's continued. It's, this is a different, it's a different version. Like you're way more, I don't know. You're kind of way more. There's like a, I've seen an, I've seen other, you know, variations on you and, uh, <laughs> and it's far more aloof. Yeah. Where there's not that well, today. I'll, I'll, I'll say one more thing. This, that, this is how we'll, we'll take a time out from this podcast or whatever this is. Um, as soon as I told people I'm leaving, Mm -hmm. In November, I felt like I had nothing to hide anymore, which was weird. It was kind of freeing, but I didn't even know that that was going to happen. I didn't think that that would happen, but I remember even I told the elders and then, and then I went away on a Bill Plotkin retreat and came back. And then I went to a really super, super fancy party. And usually this is the kind of thing that I would run from, mm -hmm. you know, People ask, how's it going at Mars Hill, you know? And you would think, I, and the very next day, I was going to tell people at Mars Hill that I'm done. Mm. So you would think, oh, can't wait. I would think of myself, no way would I go to a party the night before I'm going to tell the congregation I'm leaving Mars Hill. But it was like no problem for me. I went, I talked to people. How's it going at Mars Hill? Well, I'm stepping down and tell people. To, I just told them straight. I told them the truth. Mm -hmm. And that was so liberating for me. And, and, and it's my own fault. It's my own immaturity, but in the role that I had for a long time, I was always trying to navigate who's safe and who's not. And that's not to blame other people. That's to blame me. So the moment I tried to step out of that, I experienced like a lot of freedom. Okay. This is, this is what's happening in my life. I'm quitting tomorrow. You should come, you know, and <laughs> check it out. It's you know? be awesome. <laughs> So, and, and, and so thanks for saying that about the energy, because I do feel a, a little lighter. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I have anxiety like any normal person would about paying the bills and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I hope to continue in a more free space. So, um, how do you, how do you want to end it? Peace. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. <laughs>